And lighting of the Advent candle, it is on hope. Hope is the first Sunday of Advent, and that's what we've been talking about. And we're going to continue in Jeremiah chapter 29, starting at verse 4. Before we read the scripture, join me in prayer. Our most precious Heavenly Father, thank you for all the goodness you bestow on us. Thank you for the beauty of your earth. Thank you for the beauty of this sanctuary and how it's been beautified to your honor by its members today. Father, we remember Jesus Christ. He is that rose that we sang about in the song. Lord, we have joy in the world because of Jesus Christ. And we take this time, this season especially, to remember Christ coming as a child born of Mary and Father God, living for a while among us, teaching us the right way to live, and then making that sacrifice on our behalf, giving us the very best Christmas gift we could ever get. And so, Father, we ask that you would unite with us in a special way during this message, open our hearts and our minds to your words of hope, that we may receive them and apply them and love you all the more. Thank you again for Jesus Christ, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's look at chapter 29, verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place, meaning Jerusalem. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. As we think about the history of the Israelites, the Hebrew people at this time, they had every reason to be discouraged, to be in despair. Over the years, over many years, they'd gradually been carried away into exile. We have first the occurrence of the northern kingdom. After Solomon, the kingdom split into two, two kingdoms, the southern and the northern the northern kingdom did not have any kings that followed God. 
They all turned away to their own way, and none of them honored God. They worshiped other idols. God, in his loving care, sent messengers to them. He tried to turn them back, as he does to them and to all of us, coming back from that that path of destruction, but they would not. And so God calls the Assyrians to come in and carry them away. And you may have grown up hearing about the ten lost tribes of Israel. That's the northern kingdom. And they're really not lost, as in we don't know where they are. The Assyrians had a practice when they would conquer a land of intermingling those they conquered with their people. So they took the Israelites from their land and carried them to Assyria, and they took some Assyrians and brought them to the northern kingdom. And their design, their intent was uh, knowing human nature, knowing young people fall in love, that they would intermarry and in that sense dilute the conquered peoples, in this case the Hebrews. And so the northern kingdom was assimilated into the land of Assyria. Time passed, God extended his teaching and his bidding to the southern kingdom because there were some good kings in the southern kingdom who obeyed God and led the people to follow God. And so God was more patient with them, hoping they would turn back to his ways But eventually they too turned against God and would not follow Him. And so God allowed them to be carried away to Babylon. But God made a promise for them that they would be brought back to the land, that they would only be in exile for 70 years. And Jeremiah is is a contemporary of Nehemiah. And many of us know the story of Nehemiah, where he was living in Babylon. He heard about how Jerusalem was in disarray and the walls were falling down, and it grieved him. And if you're uh, aware of Nehemiah's life and when he was there, he had never been to Jerusalem. He didn't grow up there. He was born in Babylon, but his brother was able to come back and forth, shared with him the state of the town, and it burdened Nehemiah greatly. And God used Nehemiah to go to the king. The king noticed he was in despair and downcast, cared about him, said, what's going on? And Nehemiah took that risk of telling the king what was the problem. He said, I'm brokenhearted over my city. The king responded, said, what do you need? And so he gave Nehemiah soldiers, he gave him goods, he gave him uh, uh, money to go back and rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. That was the end of the 70 years. Jeremiah is prophesying to the people, and in this passage we have God speaking to them as they are in Babylon. And it's understandable that they're despondent, that they're in despair. They've been taken out of the home and the land that they love. As far as they know, never to see it again. Some of them, as Nehemiah, are born in the land having never known it. 
And so it would be natural to give up, to lose hope, to uh, just quit following the ways, to quit trying to prosper. And that's where God is talking to them here. And He's saying, don't do that. Continue living, if we paraphrase it into one. Continue doing the things of life. Build a life here. Build homes. Build houses. Marry. Have grandchildren. See your grandchildren get married. Continue to build up the peoples. And don't listen to those who tell you that it's all over. And just to accept it and wither away and cease to exist. God says don't listen to that lie. There's a a phrase from Spiro Agnew some of you will remember from many years ago as he's uh, working in the White House. And he talks about nattering nabobs of negativity. And I always like that ring of words, nattering nabobs of negativity. And we have those around us too much. We have too many around us speaking negatively, telling us there's no hope, telling us, You can't do anything different. Telling us you can't do any better. And it's hard to resist that and to keep our spirits up. But God speaking to His people is encouraging them to do just that. To live with hope. To live believing that their God was aware of them. That their God was aware of their situation. And that He was working on their behalf. Remember the promises. And if they would go back and study the Scripture and listen to them, they could have example after example of how God had fulfilled His promises to His people. And in this promise, He had said, you're going to come back to the land. Now unfortunately, some passed away in Babylon. They didn't see it. But as a people, they did come back. Nehemiah led them back. Nehemiah was one of three. Ezra led some back. Zerubbabel brought some back. And Nehemiah. And Nehemiah led them to rebuild the walls and make Jerusalem a safe place once again. And at the end of Nehemiah, he led them to restore worship of Almighty God that they had forgotten. And so God is giving them this encouragement. And then he also goes beyond that. Not just you live your life, you, you succeed, you prosper. He encourages them to pray for the prosperity of Babylon, of the city therein. And that would be counter to what they'd want to do. The people were their conquerors. They were the ones who had uh, come in and and burned their homes and carried them away. It would be uh, opposite emotions to want to pray for God to prosper them. But that's exactly what God is doing. And He makes the point that as you prosper, you will prosper. Someone shared with me today about a situation that they're, they're facing and dealing with. And they're indebted to someone. And that someone is extending them grace and time and patience because 
that one to whom the debt is owed knows the person is good for the debt. They've seen the integrity. They've seen the character. And so in praying for the Babylons to prosper and working to make them a success, to make them great, one, the people are going to receive physical benefits from the city doing well, from food coming in, from goods being there that they too can enjoy, but also by praying for them to prosper and working for their enemy to succeed, to do better, they're going to receive grace and benefit from those who have conquered them. And so it was. When the time came, when the 70 years were up and it was ready, the king said, yes, you may go back. You may take the people. They had won favor by being good citizens. And so God is giving this instruction. Continue living as if things are different. Continue living the way you should live. We had a, a time of Thanksgiving at our home. My children came over and you may have seen my, my attempt at poetry on Facebook that we had French toast and bacon mostly and on I went. That's what we do on Thanksgiving. The kids go to in-laws and Sue and I get them in the morning for breakfast. And one of the joys this dad had is as we have finished eating, we're sitting around talking. My daughter and son get involved in all kinds of uh, biblical discussions and talks. I get to sit back and hear them share different things. And my daughter brought up the challenge of, of living for Christ and wanting to be all that God wants her to be. And I recounted to her that I've dealt with that struggle. And as I've read the Bible, and you may do the same, same as I have, but you read of the great giants of faith. You read about Abraham and David, and in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul and Peter, and you see what great things they accomplished and how God used them. And you go, I might as well give up. I'm never going to be like that. I, I keep failing. And so we take these few. If you'll stop and just think kind of mathematically for a while, how many heroes we can point to in the Bible like I discussed. 15, maybe 20. But how many people lived during that time Millions, probably. And they followed God. And so what were they to do? God had placed a hand upon some of these, in particular like Jeremiah, or Isaiah, or Daniel, or Nehemiah, calling them to a task. But what about everybody else? They're just supposed to live their life for God. Day in, day out, honoring Him, living the righteous life, and so we can find ourselves there today. If God calls us to some task, we need to step up to that task and answer Him. But if He doesn't call us in that specific way, what do we do? Live according to His Word. Live a life that honors Him. Share 
about Jesus as we have opportunity, but don't beat yourself up because you're not a Peter or an Apostle John or Paul. Live for God. and that, So that's what God's saying to His Israelites in Babylon. Continue to live and to live righteously. And then He says, pray for their prosperity, those that conquered you. Pray for those around you. And so we can pray for our city of Campbellsburg, for our county of Henry County and our state and certainly our nation, praying that it prosper. And in that prosperity, we know that true prosperity comes from following Almighty God. And so that can be part of our prayers, God calling back our civic areas to Him. And we do our part to share God and to show Him through our lives, through our words, and through our ministry, our help to others. And then God gives them the warning about false prophets, those nattering nabobs of negativity that are always trying to run people down, to demoralize people. Don't listen to them. Turn a deaf ear. Instead, turn your ear to Almighty God. Because what God says is I've got plans for you. Not plans to punish. Plans to prosper. And I'm going to fulfill my promise. I'm not going to harm you. I have plans to give you hope and a future. And we can know that today as we face despair in our world, as we face difficult times, that we have an Almighty Father that knows us specifically, uniquely, personally, and powerfully. He knows each and every care upon your heart. He knows the hurts you've been through. He knows the loss that you've felt. He knows the trauma. He knows the struggle you face each day. And He cares. And He promises to be with you. In our microwave world, we want that answer all at once right now. That isn't how it works. I often tell the joke on myself or the admonishment to myself as I try to lose weight. My doctor doesn't believe me, but I I try to assure him it's true. That old adage that I don't like, that you didn't put it on overnight, you're not going to take it off overnight. We hadn't got ourselves in troubles overnight, instantly, and it takes time. God has the power to say the word and it's all better, but we miss the benefit of the journey. And so we continue to place our hope in God, our faith in God, believing He is a Father looking out for us, believing He is a Father who wants to do well by us. He has promised that Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and that more abundant. We know that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And so it becomes incumbent upon us to rest in faith upon His Word, doing what He would have us do day by day and looking forward 
to His resolution, looking forward to His solution. The Israelites had another solution come. Yes, after 70 years, they went back to their homeland. That was what was paramount on their mind. They wanted to be back in their land. They wanted to have their liberty to live as they wanted. And they got that. But something else happened several hundred years later. A little child was born. That little child was a king, king of heaven, and he grew. He taught them a new way to live, a way of mercy and grace, a way that wasn't oppressive like the religion had become. And Jesus said, I have come to bring my people back to me. That was his purpose on earth was to bring to the Hebrews, the Jewish people, another opportunity to receive Him as Messiah. And so, He withstood their punishment. He withstood their revision, revisal. don't think I'm getting that out right. But He, he withstood, withstood, got my tongue tangled, all of that, for their sake. And then he took it upon himself. He who knew no sin became sin for each and every one that ever lived, that was living, that will live. He carried them to the cross. He died upon that cross, not for his fault, for his lack, but for ours. But he didn't stay there. He rose again. He ascended on high to the Father after many days, and now He intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father, giving us the most perfect gift. And after He went on, in the first chapters of Acts, we have where He commissioned the apostles to carry the good news to the Gentiles to the barbarians as the Jewish considered them, to you. And so the great gift of the Son of God was made available to you. And that gift is a real gift. It gives us hope. It gives us that promise of not an eternity of oblivion that we cease to exist after Uh, this body fails, but that there is an eternal spark within us, that breath that God breathed in to Adam that is transmuted to each one of us. And through Jesus Christ, we have the promise of not eternal separation from God, but eternal fellowship with God in His place where there's no more sin, pain, sorrow. And so we have a present hope during these days that He hears our prayer and He is responding and answering as we trust in Him and are patient. But we also have that blessed hope that one day we will experience 
eternal healing that will be made whole completely, that will be withdrawn from the presence of evil and will be able to forever praise God in His presence. And so we have hope. We need to embrace the hope. Don't listen to the nattering nabobs of negativity around you. There is a God who knows you, who loves you, who has done what He needs to do, what you need to do to know that hope experientially and permanently. And so we come to the close of our service today, and that's my invitation to you, that you would hear His still, quiet voice calling your name and saying, I did everything He said for you. It's available to you. I'm waiting at the head of the street for you.